Praise the Lord. Amen. Shall we pray together? Our Father, we thank you again for fellowship. Thank you for the worship. It's time to hear your word. We ask that your word will open to us. We ask for fresh revelation. We ask for deep insight into the word. Say, my word are spirit and life. We pray, O God, that the life in your word will be released unto us in the name of Jesus. The letter kill it is a spirit that gives life. We pray for encounter, fresh encounter in the name of Jesus. Please meet each one of us at the point of our needs. That arising from here, we would have seen Jesus. We want to see Jesus tonight. We want to see the man of Calvary. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we have prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. I bless God again for the privilege. We want to continue from where we stopped yesterday. We are in this communion preparation, preparing ourselves to dine with the Lord. Yesterday we began to look at understanding the nature of the flesh. By the grace of God, we did a bit of Bible study. I intend to continue tonight to, to do that Bible study again uh, and hope we can reach a point where we can pray. I will not be presumptuous that I will be able to finish where I would have loved to end, but I think we can get to a point where we can see the need to pray. Yesterday we began to look at the source of the flesh, the origin of that life. We went to Genesis to Genesis chapter 2. We looked at how God created man and what happened to the man that God created in his own image and likeness. So those of us who were here, those who were with us virtually, I trust that God brought us into the knowledge of the truth that when God created man, in the day that he created man, he created man in his own image and likeness. Male and female, he created them. But by the time the man had lived for 130 years, Adam, and began to have children and had his firstborn son, something had happened to that man. Because God had said that in the day or on the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of the, 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 the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. So in between the day that God created man and the time that man began to, to produce and to multiply, they had eaten of the forbidden tree and therefore they died. So, there was a new life that took over from the day that the life light or the life which was the image of God had been extinguished by their disobedience. 
we began to trace the manifestation of that life thereafter. Immediately, the earth of the forbidden tree, we began to see that life covering up, hiding, and the other issues that came out until God himself in Genesis chapter 6 was saying that it repent me for creating man. Because the imagination of his heart is continuously evil. And God said, I will wipe him out. And all of that led to Noah's ark. And God preserving Noah and his family. And wiping out the whole generation that he had created. And as if from Noah, God was expecting that another generation or species of life was going to come from this righteous man that was going to be correct to populate the earth. But not long after we saw that Noah himself had gotten drunk and uh, his children had begun to, to misbehave and be, be watching his nakedness and he began to place a curse and we saw that even the generation that came out of Noah subsequently was also the same problem. It's the same natural life. It's the same flesh. So I want us to continue from there this evening back to First Corinthians chapter 5, 15, which we began with. Yesterday we, don't forget that yesterday the Holy Spirit started with us with First Corinthians chapter 11. I think it was verse 28, which was saying that, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. And he said that if we will judge ourselves, we will not be judged. So the issue of examining ourselves in the light of the truth that God is bringing, it's very important. It should always be at our, our to be uh, in our heart as we are praying together and studying together. The Bible says you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, we read. I want to read it again. And so it is written that the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. I'll pause here for a moment. Verse 46 is raising a matter of two, two lives. The spiritual, which is what God is looking for, is not the one that comes first. Yesterday I mentioned that nobody was born spiritual, even if your parents are spiritual. Even if your parents are apostles and prophets, even if your mother was speaking in tongues in the labor world, you were still born natural. It's the natural that comes first. But afterward, what must come? The spiritual. So even though God allows us to be born 
the natural first. He is not expecting that the natural must remain. In the mind of God, we are born natural first, and then the spiritual must come. It is not correct to continue in the natural until you die in the natural. God has no need for the natural. He allows the natural to come, expecting that the natural will die so that the spiritual can come. Except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and die, is useless. God is not needing the corn of wheat. He wants it to die. He wants it to be buried in the ground. And he wants a new spiritual life to come out of it. And that is what we are expecting. That's the whole essence of our Christianity. If unfortunately we came into the church and we are still carrying the natural, it must die. That is God's uh, expectation. That's what God has said. So, verse 46 is saying, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Again, I need to explain this a bit. The first man is Adam. That first man is of the earth. He was made from the earth, from the dust. Is earthly. One of the translations is the first man is earthly. Is earthy. And is earthly. And is of the dust. But the second man, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, is from heaven. He is not earthy. When the angel came to speak to the mother that you shall conceive and you will bear a son, he said, how can this thing be? How is it possible, seeing that I know no man and am I am a virgin? And he said, the Holy Spirit shall overpower you. The Spirit of the Most High shall come upon you and you shall give birth to a son. You shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from sin. So we saw that Jesus Christ is different from Adam. He's a second Adam, but he is not natural. He is not earthy. He's the Lord from above. And he's the one that we are supposed to bear his image. God is expecting that we came natural, but we must exchange the natural for the spiritual man. God is expecting that we will all be conformed to the image of his son. The Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that is what is expected of us. So you see, Paul is raising that issue here. That verse 47. That the second man is the Lord from heaven. See verse 48. As was the man of dust, so are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so are also those who are heavenly. So there are two species of life. I don't know where you belong to, but as was the man of the dust, which is Adam, and all that issue out of Adam, so are all those who are made of dust, who are every human being who is natural. You will just behave like Adam. It's the Adamic nature. It's we inherit that nature. You know, we read yesterday 
from Job, and we read from, I think, Psalm 51, that says, A man that is born of a woman, he cannot be pure. He cannot be righteous. In sin, our mothers conceive us. In sin and iniquity, we were born. So that is the issue. It's by inheritance. I think there's a scripture that's very interesting in First uh, Peter, which we will read after uh, we read this. But there are also another group of people who are, you know, are of the heavenly mind. So are also those who are heavenly. So God is looking for heavenly people on earth. It's not when we die and we go to heaven. There are people on earth who are heavenly. They are saints. They are spiritual men. Such are the people that God is looking to serve. You remember the story between Jesus and the woman of Samaria? You must note that that woman was a believer. I hope you know that the woman was a worshiper of God. He was telling Jesus that we worship God on this, on this mountain. Our forefathers, this is what they taught us. But you people say it is in Jerusalem that we must go and worship. You know, so the woman of Samaria, who was an immoral, adulterous woman, was still a worshiper. And there are several people like that filling up the churches all over, full of adultery, full of immorality, but they are worshippers of God. So, Jesus Christ said, yeah, the time is coming, and the time is now, that God is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for heavenly beings that are spiritual, that worship God, not in the natural, but they worship God in spirit and in truth. And that time is now. God is still looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. The whole earth is waiting for such generation of the sons of God to be born, who are heavenly beings. They are here on earth, but they are the light of the world. They are the salt of the earth. They are a city on a hill that shines. They carry the life of the heavenly man. Christ in you is the hope of glory. They are carrying Christ Jesus. They will be saying, like Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I now live is what? I live by faith, by the Son of God, who died and, what? and was raised again for me. So you see, God is raising the matter here. When you go to verse 49, which is very, very interesting for me, it says, and as we have borne the image of the man of the dust, please note that, as we, including Paul, the apostle, including all of us, everybody born of a woman, we have borne the image of the man of the dust. Everybody born by a woman he bears the image of Adam. That's why I told you in Genesis chapter 5, God said that when Adam gave birth, he gave birth in his own image and likeness, not in the image of God. Please, let's know that distinction. Because many people now, we say, well, Muslims are in the image of God, Buddhists are in the image of God, everybody is in the image of God. It's not proper understanding scripturally. To some extent, it's true. Because you are saying they are all human beings. They have a soul. 
they, 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 they have a, they breathe, so then they are in the image of God. But the essential image of God that we are talking about is not about the fact that somebody can breathe and somebody has a soul. It's talking about the heavenly being. It's talking about God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. God is holy. God is pure. God is the one that wants everybody to bear his image. But when anyone is born, is born to bear the image of the man of the dust. So none of us was born in the image of God essentially. Every one of us born, we bear the image of the man of the dust, of Adam. All of us. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Praise God. Two things are supposed to be noted here in this verse 49. One is a, is a fact. It's stating a fact. It's factual. Nobody can dispute that. And one is a promise. The fact is that all of us sitting in this room, everyone on all these 7 billion or so people on this planet Earth, whether white or Caucasians or whether black, we all are born sinful. We are born natural. We are born into the flesh. We are born to bear the image of Adam. We carry the Adamic nature when we are born. So it is natural to sin. It's natural to us to misbehave. It's natural to do all these kind of things that brings contradiction between us and God, that brings God's anger upon us. Because that is the image that Adam carried before he began to multiply. And from set, that generation of the earth began to, to emerge. And we all bear that image. That is a fact. It is the reason why we must be born again. Because the promise that stands is that as we have borne that image of the man of the dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That's God's expectation for me. That's the expectation for you. God is not expecting you to carry and travel here throughout this, your life on this planet for 40 years, 50 years, 70 years. No matter how God is gracious enough to give you years that you carry the natural and you die and buried the natural. Something would have gone wrong somewhere. And if you die like that, we know where you are going to straight away. God is expecting that there will be uh, some time in your life, whether ideally God expects that to happen whilst you are young. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he's young. God expects that whilst you are a child, whilst you are growing up as a teenager, you will encounter and have a divine collision that will change the natural into the spiritual, the heavenly man. If it doesn't happen whilst you are young, before you die, certainly it must happen. And that is the promise that we need to look into. That we will also bear the image of what? Of the heavenly man. Now, this I say, verse 50, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Flesh and blood 
the natural cannot expect to inherit the kingdom of God. The corrupted life, this life that is corrupted, cannot inherit the incorruption. So, this is God's uh, judgment. You know, when this, that judge, I totally disagree with her, that has ruled that uh, Rastafarian should go and take over Achimota. That's the ruling. Until it is appealed, is what? Is the ruling. God has also ruled. And the ruling is that the natural will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know who will appeal that. <laughs> I was, and when the Supreme Court has spoken, is final. And God is the Supreme. And when God the Father, the God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have sat down and said, the natural shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Nobody can appeal that. So that is the rule. As far as God is concerned, the image of the, of the man of the dust the Adamic nature, the flesh, the lower nature, the fallen nature, this man that was born by a woman will not inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The corrupt will not inherit the incorruption. That's how serious it is. If we should go back quickly as we are doing Bible study to First Peter chapter 1, we will see what Apostle Peter also said, uh, so that it's not as if Paul is the only person speaking. Last time I was trying to witness to a Muslim, I saw that they don't like Paul at all. They say, Paul, that man, he wrote too many things that are not correct. <laughs> I don't know why they hate Paul. So I decided not to go to Paul. Let's go to Peter. Because I think they like Peter more than Paul. So First Peter chapter 1, if you have time to read, but maybe we will read from verse, um, uh, verse 18. Verse 18 says that, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. I, this verse 8, I wish we had different translations. Uh, maybe good news or, yeah, so that we can look at uh, good news to say, for you know what was paid to set you free from the worthless manner of life handed down by your ancestors. It was not something that can be destroyed, such as silver or gold. So what Peter is saying is that each one of us, we inherited a, a certain kind of life from our ancestors. These ancestors first begins with your mother, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, all the way to Adam and Eve. That the life that we were born, when a baby was born, everybody was jubilating and uh, adoring our congratulations. Actually in heaven, they say, another corrupt life has come. Another wicked man has been born. The expectation of heaven is that this person will change and become born again. Otherwise, they are not expecting anything good to come out of their life. All those that are carrying this life that have filled all our parliament and all the political aspects, they are the reason why Ghana is not prospering because that life cannot be correct. It's a corrupt, wicked life. Very selfish. Greedy life. 
if these are the people that are, you know, I was reading the Bible, this we say, when the righteous are in, in government, you know, the people rejoice. When wicked people are in government, everybody is crying. If this life becomes the president or the, the speaker of parliament or the minister of finance and co, you know the trouble. Every nation that has such people there, they are in trouble. That's why all over the world, as in the U.S. or so, you see the kind of discussions going on about gay, lesbian. They say this mind is a, is a gay pride. And people are legalizing it and supporting what God says it must not stand. is an abomination. But the corrupt life that we, we inherit, this is what we glorify. What is shameful is what we promote. And we think it's, a, it's something to be proud about. But the Bible, according to Peter, says, we have to be set free from that worthless. It's a worthless life. Other translation is an impossible road to heaven. Nobody uses that life to enter heaven. I think it's a living Bible, old living Bible. It's an impossible road to heaven. It's a worthless life. It's a manner of life that was handed down by our ancestors. We did not have any hand in it. We didn't choose it. They just handed it down to us. And we also have handed it down to our children. And it has been continued. But you see that Jesus Christ went to the cross to get this life what? To be redeemed. Which means that this is not the life that God created. God does not create anything worthless. Everything God created was good. How did this life now need to be redeemed? It means because we had sold it to the devil. Adam and Eve, by their disobedience in the Garden of Eden, they sold their life to the devil. And therefore, Jesus had to come and pay a price for us to be redeemed, to be bought back. So unless you have been bought back to get the original life, that was the life after the image of God, the one that God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness, the heavenly man, which was lost before we were born. God is looking for that life to be bought back. God is looking for redemption. And the price has been paid. So that you now must know what Christ has done to redeem you. And the price that was paid was not a worthless thing like silver and gold. But by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what Peter was trying to say. By the precious blood, verse 19, of Christ as a lamb without blemish, and without spot. Amen. But when you go to Hebrews chapter 1, you will see that Jesus Christ, he has a different lifestyle, or a manner of life that I think Hebrews present to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse, um, maybe, we can start from verse 7, 8, thereabout, before Hebrews 1, it says, but to the son, it says, or if you start from verse 1, it says, God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers of the prophet. He has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things 
by the word of his power. And he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to the angels did he ever say, you are my son. Now what is important here for me is that he is presenting Jesus Christ as being the brightness of the glory of God in the express image of the personality of God. So we have two men here. The man of the dust, the Adamic fallen nature, and all of us has born that image. Now God is expecting that we will bear the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, the man from heaven. And that man from heaven, Jesus Christ, is the exact express image of the God himself. He himself has carried the image of God. Therefore, God is expecting us to be like God, actually. So, this is where we are. This is where God wants us to be. God wants us to be his children who resemble him. And we must resemble him by resembling his son. If you go to the same Hebrews, I think, it will be telling you in Hebrews chapter 10, it will be telling you that um, Hebrews 10, I think, all of that will be telling us that uh, we all, if we are also from this Lord Jesus Christ, then we are supposed to be of one stock, not different from him. But let me go to Romans, where we will do a bit more study before we can stop to pray. Romans chapter 8. Yesterday we read Romans 7, and that's where we ended to pray, if you remember. Let's go back to Romans uh, I like Paul. Romans chapter 8. Remember that we stopped at chapter 7, verse 24, which, let me read that before I jump to 8. Chapter 7 brought us a cry. Oh, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? So we realized that Paul was bringing an, an, a description of this natural life. This man of the dust. And the fact that, you know, when you carry that lifestyle, you are in bondage. You struggle to please God. You, you only do what you actually don't want to do. You will be a slave, sold under the law. You disobey the law. It's not possible to please God with that kind of life. That's how Paul and Paul now saw that the only solution to such a life is for that life to change. And what will make that life to change is for you to cry. For you to come to the point of restlessness. For you to admit and acknowledge that if this is the life I'm carrying, then I need deliverance. Then you will cry as he cries, Oh! Wretched man that I am, who would deliver me? So this life needs deliverance. It's not the type of deliverance that people are doing. You know, we are not casting out demons. <laughs> we, need, we need an evacuation. That life is in this body. We need it to be evacuated out. It was not there before. God didn't create it like that. It entered in Genesis when Adam and Eve, they lost the original life. 
Because God had said that the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And once that life left, there's no vacuum in nature. Another life entered. And the source of that life is from the devil. He's the prince of darkness. And therefore, every is the source of all darkness. Is a source of light. So you remember sometimes Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and he was talking that you are a liar because you are just like your father, the devil, who has been lying from the beginning. That's where you got all life from. You are proud because you are just like your father, the devil, who is, is the first man that was to be proud. It was in heaven he was proud, arrogant and ambitious. That's why he was cast down. So the source of every darkness, every misbehavior, Every lawlessness is traced back to the man of lawlessness. It's from this serpent, this devil, this dragon. is the one that is troubling every man. But we saw that when we entered Romans chapter 8, it introduces something else that uh, brings us to look at it tonight. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. If you have a proper translation, you will see that this is how it presents it. Some translations just cut off some of them and say there is therefore no condition for anyone that is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. If all of us come here and say we are all in Christ Jesus, nobody can tell who is and who is not. That's why the scripture we read said, well, let each one examine himself. So now, the way we are able to tell whether a man is truly in Christ Jesus or not, or what, of what life a man is carrying, is according to his work. It's according to his, his uh, character, his manner of life. You shall, you shall know them by their fruit. By their fruit, you will tell them. It's not by their confession. Everybody claims to be a Christian. Everybody claims to be a believer. Everybody claims to be a prophet. I'm a true prophet. Prophet number one. You shall know them by their fruit. You shall know them by their work. So the Bible now said that there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no full stop. If you see, there's no full stop. He said, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So those who are in Christ Jesus, they are those that are supposed to have, to have now exchanged the natural for what? For the spiritual. Therefore, they walk not according to the flesh, which is of the natural, of the man of the dust, but they walk according to the spirit. For them, there are no condemnations. But if a man claims to be in Christ and is still walking according to the flesh, of course, there is condemnation. Because it's still carrying and walking according to the life that God has banished. According to what God says, it's impossible to go to heaven with. According to what God has said, that this life cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So if there's a brother or sister in church, even if he's filled with the Holy Ghost, born again, so to speak, and he has even risen to become a pastor or associate pastor or evangelist, and he's walking by the flesh. is living according to the flesh. is under condemnation. 
So, if you continue, we say what? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has what? Has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, the natural life, there's a motion that controls it. It's a law. It's a law of sin and death. Hey, I pray that God will give us understanding. Now, when anybody is born natural, you know we studied uh, the law of uh, what? Gravity. The law, what's the law of gravity? What is it? Eh? Everything that goes up as what? Is a law. Is a law. So now, when somebody is born natural, there's a law that controls him, and it's a law. And that law is a law of sin and death. There's no way about it. It will sin. Sin is a law to the natural. No matter what you do, if you bring and put him in this church for one year, for hundred years, that law will operate. It's a law of sin, and that sin that leads to death, he will die. For the wages of sin is death. So if we leave anybody in the natural, we have condemned him to sin and to death. And it is appointed unto man once to die, and after the judgment, he will go to hell. That is the law. So, God is expecting that man to be set free from that law. And since that law cannot be broken, because the law of gravity will continue to be there, that law of sin and death will not be broken. It's like the law of the world, the Medis and Persia, isn't it? It cannot be revoked. So what must happen is that that man must die. So that the new man that cannot be under that law comes. Jesus would never obey the law. He, he walked over the sea. Why? Because he cannot subject himself to the law. He's able to, to rise and be raptured because he cannot follow the law of gravity. He can turn water to wine. He can raise the dead because he's not subject to the laws of the natural. So for anybody to overcome the law of sin and death, he needs a new nature. For you to overcome sin, it's not because you have to be disciplined. It's not self-control. It's not fasting and prayer. You need a change of nature. If anybody is struggling with sin, with addictions, and you advise him, you put him in jail, you discipline him, you sack him, you slap him, you, whatever you do, you are wasting your time. Because the law of sin and death will operate in the natural. The only way to help that man is to change his nature inside. If your children use the remote to control your TV and you want to actually stop it, is to remove the battery from the TV, or to take the TV away, do something so that they cannot communicate. So once the inner natural life is evacuated, and the spiritual has come in, you are finished. Every attraction of the, of the natural, of the sin, has no impact on the spiritual man that is inside. That's what God was expecting. So you see that Paul is raising a matter here that for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There is another law. Which is the law of the spirit of life. Which we receive from Christ Jesus. Christ in you. The hope of glory. 
when any man is born again and receives the life of Christ infused into his natural body, when they have evacuated the old natural life, I will take away your stony heart from you and give you a new heart and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to obey my commandments and my statutes. When that has happened truly in any man, he is free. Free from sin. Then holiness can actually be expected from such a life. Praise the Lord. Am I, am I making sense? That's, the, that's what Paul is raising here. Is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's also a law. So the life of holiness does not become a struggle for this life. It's the law. The way the law of, of, uh, of sin and death worked in our emotions naturally. In that same way, when you receive the life of Christ, you don't struggle to live a holy life. It's also, as a law. You love to just read your Bible. You love to pray. You just love to obey God. You just, you know, you just love to, to be in the house of God. You just enjoy fellowship. Your, your desire, Paul said, you know, David said what? One thing have I sought of the Lord. One thing I pray for. You know, there's one thing you'll be looking for. Is to have fellowship with God. Is to make it to heaven. Silver and gold, money will not be your reason why you are living. Everything will be, will be, will be useless. All the things that were gained to you, they will become rubbish. For the excellency of knowing Christ, your Lord Jesus Christ. For you to live now will be for Christ. And to die is gain. There will be something moving you. People wonder, why are you so zealous? Why are you so, you are over the top? Why are you doing this thing too much? Are you the only Christian? There's nothing else you can do except to serve God. Because there's a new life. And it's attracted to its owner. It's attracted to the source. And that is what it says. When you go to verse 3, it says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do work according to the flesh. But who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those, look at verse 5 now. For those who live according to the flesh, what do they do? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. It's, and this one is a law. Are you understanding? Anyone who lives according to the flesh is detected to by the flesh. And all that the flesh is concerned about is what? Is, is about, you know, the things of the world. As he may be sitting in church, but he's thinking about money. It's talking about some contract. It's talking about some, some, some earthly things. Because that is what the flesh is concerned about. Those who live according to the flesh, they set their mind. It's tuned like an alarm. And the, the, their mind is set on the things of the flesh. They sow to the body. They sow to the flesh. They are thinking about a new fashion. It's talking about how to, how to, to the new hairstyle. It's talking about a new car model. He's thinking about the new iPhone. Whatever he's doing is the new shirt, the new skirt. You, I, I don't understand. I went to the, the ASC mall, which was the mall that is near airport. What is it called? No, the, 
Marina Mall, I think two days ago, to go and do some shopping. It amazed me that for about 45 minutes or so that I was there, there was a woman that had gone to sit, you know, right in the, in the, in the parlor. When you enter, as soon as you enter the place, there are some girls that are painting face. They are painters. They paint people's face. And the woman has, as if she has, she has nothing to do. She has been sitting there for, I don't know how long she had been there before I got there. But since I was there for about 45 minutes, I guess she has been there for over an hour. And I, I went and I came back and she was there being painted. Somebody was painting. You know, they changed about five different... I stood there to watch. They take this brush and they paint here. They take this brush, they paint here. They take but the thing was entering the eye. Then they will clean something. Just what, is, what kind of useless thing is this? So, what is the meaning of that? So, I know what is, what is, what is behind it. There's another man inside. All he thinks about is this kind of things of the flesh. How to impress. How to compete. How to beat somebody. So that when you go to church or you go to that program, I don't know whether she had a date where he was going that day. That they were painting and painting and painting. I don't know how much that lady is going to charge. That spent almost one hour on painting somebody. I wish I could go and ask a question. <laughs> I was amazed. So I saw that this is the issue. So when she now comes to church, and I was, ah, God, you are looking gorgeous. Uh-huh. She feels accomplished. The whole message that they preach in church is none of her business. It is the reason why now many, many people, when they are going to church, they are carrying another bag. And I thought it was their Bible that was in the bag. No, I only realized that it was another shoe. So there's the one that they used to wear from house. There's another one that when they get to the entrance of the church, then they jump onto that one. So I wish, ah, this one was, it was not like that 20 years ago. When my mother used to dress in church, we leave home, we walk to the Methodist church, it's one shoe. One shoe, we walk like almost half a kilometer to church and we come back. And she never complained that her leg were pain in her. How come there are young ladies that are not even old? One, about two weeks ago, one lady, you know, she, she was in the choir. I don't know what shoe she wore. I think after singing and dancing, the thing was now painting her. So she now removed the thing, holding it in her, and walking barefooted in, on the stones. And the thing was painting her. And she was walking like that, going back to the car to go and take slippers. And I said, so who is behind that? Who is forcing her? If the thing is not convenient, why are you doing it? Why can't you be simple? People cannot be simple because there's somebody that is saying that this is what I want. This is what is in vogue. This is what is fashionable. You must also be like that. That's what people can go and do some hairstyle and, and then they will be having a headache. Then they will come and drink paracetamol, paracetamol. Then you will see their whole face. Something is, I say, but who is forcing them? I'm not trying to castigate somebody. I just want you to know what is behind this matter. It's not only women, men also. You don't understand the kind of fashion that is coming these days. What will make people to dress like mad people? 
you wear jeans that is cut, 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 the whole thing scatter. Boys like today now, they, their hair, they cannot have a clean haircut. They will do something that looks like, when we saw those things in the 80s, we know that they are, they are, they are Rastafari, they are, something is wrong. But now those boys that are playing instruments in the church, those that are Christian brothers, their name is called Abednego. They are called Daniel. Look at their hair. It's, you, don't, you don't know whether they are playing band for the people in the world. People are doing tattoo on their body. People are doing things that are painful to the body. And they pay money for it. And you don't know why people are doing that. It's because anyone that is controlled by the flesh, he minds, his mind is set on the things of the flesh. It's a law. But those that are controlled by the spirit, the things of the spirit. That sister is beautiful. That brother is handsome. But his mind is on how to please God. <laughs> they are like Daniel. I purpose in my heart. I will not defy myself. How can I sin against God and my master? It's about prayer. When is the next fellowship? When is the next evangelism meeting? When is the next discipleship class? His mind is on the things of the, of the spirit. And it's a law. And nobody understands. Sometimes people are even complaining, your own is too much, your own is too much. But it's a law. That's what gives him satisfaction. That's his food. May the Lord help you as we try to conclude. 4, verse 6. To be carnally minded is what? Is death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Is life and peace. That life is called carnal. So to be carnally minded is not a Christian that is, uh, we are talking about. It's a man that is controlled by the carnal nature, by the flesh. So then, verse 8 is where I wanted to stop. Look at verse 8. It says, so then, those what? Who are in the flesh, what? I want you to read it yourself. Oh. So those who are in the flesh cannot. Praise the Lord. And this is God's judgment. No matter how you try, you cannot please God. Anyone that is in the flesh can what? Cannot please God. And when God says cannot, it cannot. May the Lord help us. Amen. If I take Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22, I will be getting ready for us to pray. What Paul wrote to Ephesians, or to Romans, or to Galatians, or to Colossians, is the same matter. Ephesians 4, 22, and then I will ask us to be preparing our heart to pray. It says that, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt, according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's a putting off and what? A putting off. Of the old man. The flesh is so, has a lot of names in the Bible. What's another name of the flesh? The old man. The natural, the carnal, 
the flesh, the Adamic nature, the lower nature. So God is expecting that as we all have borne the image of the man of the dust, of the flesh, we must put it off. How do we put it off? We will not have time to go into it. It will require another session. But it's enough for us to know that the flesh is condemned to die. The flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. The flesh is corrupt. The flesh cannot please God. God is not satisfied with it. So as each one examines himself or herself, if there is any cause to see any manifestation of the flesh in our lives, it calls for cry. It calls for you to cry to God. Say, oh Lord, I am seeing something here. Is it not pointing to the flesh in my life? Evacuate it. What wretched man that I am. Who would deliver me from this body of death? As Paul cried. You know, one day it was uh, Isaiah. Isaiah had been preaching. Isaiah chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. And he was preaching in the flesh. By the time he got to chapter 6, God opened his eyes and he saw the glory of God. He saw the, everything. Then he cried. He said, woe is me. I am undone. I am finished. I am a man of unclean lips. I am a man of the flesh. I am a liar. My mouth is not clean. My mouth is bigger than words. Woe is me. He cried. Who would deliver me? And they sent angel quickly, emergency, to go and deal with that situation, to purify him and to, to take away that issue so that he could go. There was one man also who was called uh, Joshua the priest, high priest, who Satan resisted when he was about to stand in glory before the king of kings. Satan came to rebuke him and to resist him and to accuse him that the man is of the flesh. His garment is soiled of the flesh. So, you see that what Ephesians is raising here is that we need to put off the old man who was created according to its own corruption. And it grows. You know that old man what? It grows. The more you are feeding it, the more it was. It's growing. But it's not growing to be holy. It's going to be what? To be more wild. It's growing according to the deceitful lusts. And that needs to be dealt with. Now, finally, what did Paul write to the Galatians? Chapter 5. And then we will now be praying. Galatians 5. If you see the way Galatians 5, which is sometimes also misunderstood uh, when it is not read in context. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these two are what? Are contrary one to another. So that you will not do the things that you wish. So, Again, two lives are being presented to us. The spirit and what? And the flesh. And we are being admonished to what? To walk in the spirit. Because it's expected that by this time, we are what? 
we are bearing the image of what? Of the spirit man. And if you have been born again, you are bearing the image of the spirit man. He says now what? You cannot walk in the flesh. Because then we have already read in Romans chapter 8 that you will be under condemnation if you are walking under what? The influence and the dictates of the flesh. So you must walk according to the spirit. And he said the spirit and the flesh, they are not friends. They are what? Enemies. Walking contrary to each other. Actually, Galatians chapter 4 began to say, we must, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. God is expecting that the flesh, which is according to the, the natural, which is represented by Ishmael, it must not live with the son of promise, which is representing the spiritual, Isaac. So the two cannot live together. If it was possible for you to entertain the flesh and the spirit in one body, God will not be saying, cast out the bondwoman and her son. Because that was the prayer of Sarah. Sarah saw that if they allow Ishmael and, and uh, Isaac in the same house, what was going to happen? Huh? There was rivalry. There was enmity. And who is senior? Ishmael, according to the flesh. Ishmael is the flesh. And he's the senior. So he came before the spirit came. And he is more wild and stronger. In fact, the prophecy of Ishmael is that anybody he sees, is what he will try to kill. That's why, you know, all the confusion that is going on here. Everybody is afraid. There was a discussion uh, with some of the ministers this morning on social media trying to find out why this kind of ruling. What, what is going on in Achimota? What is going on in Wesley Girls? Why can't we just be honest with ourselves and say that schools must be allowed to run and there must be rules and regulations? Are we afraid of somebody? What is happening here? And they say, well, we want peace. We don't want trouble. We just want peace. We want because these people, they are wild. We just want peace. Everybody wants peace. So let us, let's just have peace. Let's just have peace. We don't want trouble. Because if you allow the spirit and the flesh and you try to keep them together, we know who will die. The flesh will what? It will kill the spirit. If they allow Ishmael, it would have finished Isaac in a moment. When you began to look at Isaac and say, you will see. So when Sarah saw that kind of thing, he said, no, he went to Abraham and said, please, this boy must go. If you allow this boy here now, my son will die. There are many Christians that want to carry both the spirit and the flesh together. Today they are in the spirit, tomorrow they are in the flesh. And when you ask them, you say, well, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and they are carried like that. You are not planning to go to heaven because that flesh that you are nurturing is about to finish the spirit. That's why you cannot be spiritual. Because you are doing what God has not asked us to do. So God told Abraham, he said, look, listen to your wife. Oh. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Both of them must go. Because the son of the bondwoman will not inherit with the son of promise. The flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God with the spirit. It's not going to happen. So what God was expecting is that yes, we were born into the flesh. But we know the manifestation of it. When you go to verse 19, you know, he began to list the manifestation of the flesh. Let me go through that list from good news and then we will pray because otherwise I will be tempted to be going further than I'm looking. But if you see verse 19, say now the works of the flesh are evident. In case you are sitting and say, I don't know whether I have the flesh or I don't have the flesh. The Bible says what? It's evident. In fact, the way good news is what? 
what human nature does is what? Quite plain. Nobody can say, I don't know it. You know. It's not hiding. You know, this, this human nature, it doesn't hide. The way it manifests, the things it does, they are natural. It's, it's law. It's a law. And we can see it by the fruit when we see the, its activities. So the works of the flesh, they are quite plain. It shows itself. You know, the flesh is a personality. And it shows himself. The way he manifests to say, I am here, is by the things he begins to do. So when you see in your life, immorality. If somebody is a pastor and is committing immorality with a chorister, what is he saying? That the flesh is what? Is alive there. The father is speaking in tongues and is casting out demons is, is nothing. What we are seeing manifesting here is the work of the flesh. Whether immorality is happening in the hotel or it's happening at Osu uh, Street or it's happening in the, in the sanctuary, it's the same thing. Who is doing it? It's the flesh. Filthy, indecent actions, whether it's indecent dressing, if you see a sister dressed indecently to church, pushing the breast out, showing all the ties here, you are the one that says she's spiritual. I don't know. We know who is dressing like that. All the indecency you see in town, it is the flesh that is behind it. I don't know what the kind of seamstresses that have come now and the kind of dresses they are showing. We need Christian seamstress. Because they show some things now. I don't understand. Sometimes they have shown some things to my wife. When she cares, they say, ah, we just throw it away. Because you don't know, even when you are telling the person, please, uh, please, let it be modest. Don't cut it too much. They will still cut the thing. Sometimes you can see somebody wearing long skirt like that. Oh, the thing is, is, this is a holy, holy skirt. Then the person turns their back. Then they have cut the thing. So, you don't know what they are trying to do. And what they are exhibiting. And who is behind that? Whether it's the seamstress or it's the one who is wearing it, it is all the indecent actions. All the indecent pictures people are watching, all the indecent pornography, it is the flesh that is behind it. Can we scroll through all those things so we can now pray? Worshipping of idols. There's a lot of people now worshipping idols. Whether they are worshipping because of money, whether it's a cult group they are going to join, whether it's secret societies, whether it's all kind of things, all people, because it's family tradition, they go and, you know, have a, a cousin who, you know, is a guy, and every year they go to Adabraka area, they go and come, do some kind of a thing, they say it's tradition, they are all things that they are doing. All of those kind of things that people do, witchcraft, people becoming enemies and they fight. Whether they are fighting the choir, whether it's associate pastor fighting senior pastor, whether it's senior pastor fighting a uh, deacon, all the fighting in church between NDC, MPP, between uh, another pastor who is sick and another pastor's members, all the fighting that are fighting. Envy, enmity, all the jealousy, all the anger, all the ambitions, all that make people to separate between parties and groups. These people say, we, we belong to uh, this pastor. This also, we also belong to this pastor. So you can go to some churches. They are divided into groups. Factions is what is destroying churches, is what is destroying all marriages, 
is what is causing confusion everywhere. It is the flesh. So when you look at all these manifestations, fornication and all uncleanness and lewdness, sorcery, hatred, tensions, jealousy, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, anger, selfish ambition, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and all the like, of which I tell you, verse 21, beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not, what, inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. The matter is serious. We see God's judgment on the flesh. We will need to pray. This is what made Jesus to comfort Nicodemus. Say, you must be born again. The life you are carrying is not good. We cannot correct it. It cannot be repaired. It has to die. A new life has to be born. If anyone is in Christ, it's a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Is joy, is peace, is long suffering, is kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. And I like to conclude with verse 24 and 25. Look at that verse because sometimes when we read and that we don't conclude it, some people have concluded that where uh, every man or every woman will continue to have these two nature and a small, small, it is who which one becomes stronger over the other and like that. No. Paul said that and those who are Christ, how many of us are in Christ? If you are in Christ, then see those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and it passions and desires. Crucified means they are put to death. All of us who are Christ, we were born with the flesh. We took and bore the image of the man of the dust. But when we come to Christ, we give up the flesh to him. He carried it to Calvary. If you read Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, And God took the sinless Christ and poured into him all our sins. And he carried it to Calvary. And we were crucified with him there. And we were buried with him. And we resurrected in that resurrection. We came with a newness of life. Nobody is a Christian who is still carrying the flesh and its passions. It's not expected to be so. That word crucified is supposed to finish the flesh. Crucified not only the the, the desires and the passions and the sins, but what? The tree himself that is not planted by God, it must be uprooted. Any tree that is not planted by my father will be uprooted. If you are just dealing with the branches and the fruits and you are disciplining yourself against uh, pornography and immorality and uh, bribery and corruption and lie and things, you are, not, you are not doing well because you are dealing with the, with the manifestation and the activities and the fruit and the tree is still there. The you must finish with the tree and the desires and all the passions finish. 
And therefore, that's when the life of the Spirit begins. Verse 25 says what? If we live in the Spirit, then what? Let us what? Walk in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. We cannot walk in the Spirit unless we live in the Spirit. And we cannot live in the Spirit and also live in the flesh at the same time. It's not going to work. So we must decide tonight, where do you want to be? What life do you want to live? And what life are you currently living? Are you in between two opinions? Paul said, Lord, anyone that is double-minded, anyone that is unstable, having two opinions, let him not expect to receive anything of God. You cannot be here nor there and be serving the Lord and serving Satan. You cannot serve two masters. It's not going to happen. So you have to choose ye this day whom you will serve. You have to decide that, Lord, any manifestation, any appearance of the flesh in my life, I don't need it. Evacuate it. Crucify it. Take it away from my life. I want to be totally released to serve the Lord. To walk in the Spirit as I live in the Spirit. I want you to be on your feet as we look unto God in prayer for the next two, three minutes. And uh, we shall be praying.